What do CEOs need to know about sales these days? A lot. Outdated sales strategies and tactics plague most companies today. Listen to what innovative CEOs and experts have to say about how to change all that with Sales Talk for CEOs. Welcome to Sales Talk for CEOs. I'm glad you're back here today. We have another wonderful guest. And today we're going to talk about growth. I know it's something that every CEO wants for their company. Some of you want exponential growth and some of you are really happy, you know, with just some moderate growth, depending on where you are in the life cycle of your company. And we also want to make sure that our growth doesn't actually implode us because our sales grows faster than the internal team can manage. But in thinking about growth today in younger companies, especially in startups, the under five-year-old companies, we know that investors are just not flowing the money out as freely as they were for a while. And we know that the investors are really looking for companies who can get exponential growth. They want fast exponential growth, right? And they really are focused on AI today, especially in the SaaS world, software as a service. But what are all the other companies out there doing that are growing? Well, the CEOs that I've been talking to who are doing exceptionally well, they're funding their own companies. They are funding through growth. They are sales driven. And today I'm excited uh, for you to meet my guest, Eduardo Cole. He's coming to us all the way from Argentina, which is so exciting. And I am so interested in what he and his company are doing. It's just been remarkable. I had the pleasure of meeting Eduardo at Saster Conference this year, and we, we're becoming friends since then. So welcome, Eduardo. Hi, Alice. Thank you very much for having me. Yes, we're becoming friends. You know, you're a great person. Oh, thank you. So I was really excited to meet you at Saster. And the reason is because your salesperson did a very smart thing that I wish all salespeople would do. She reached out to me before Saster without trying to sell me anything. And she said, I see you're going to Saster and my CEO is going to Saster and he would love to meet you. And oh, by the way, I've been listening to your podcast and it's great. And maybe would you consider, you know, is he someone you would have on the podcast? And I was like, oh my gosh, you know, thank you so much, first of all, for reaching out and telling me your CEO is going to be there. Of course, I'd love to meet him, right? And so Mel and I just got our own little relationship going and then she made it possible for us to meet up at the conference. That's great. Yeah, Mel, we tried to have that kind of, relationship with uh, potential partners, clients, and also friends of our companies. Um, if you try to forget that you need to sell and you start focusing more on, on the relationship and also on the problem that you're trying to solve, that's a better start. Absolutely. Well, I want everyone to hear the story of how you've built your company, but let's just start by um, 
telling them a little bit about what EXO Mindset does. And I just learned a few minutes ago that EXO Mindset stands for Exponential Mindset and helping people get in that mindset um, to grow. And knowing that you are helping companies with software development and transformation, which is so important right now. So tell us all a little bit about what your company does. All right. So uh, here at, at ExoMaxion, we help uh, companies on their digital transformation journey. So we we help them to implement uh, te technology to you know grow uh, faster than um, doing that with without technology. We follow the exponential organization model. We was you now we there. There is a book uh, called Exponential Organization, and also there is a one university in Silicon Valley uh, called Singularity that they teach that model. So we follow that, and we are helping our clients to embrace uh, an exponential growth with technology. That's terrific and i had not heard of that model so i'm going to be looking that up to learn more about it um but i like the idea of it right now um in the case of my son and daughter-in-law who uh you're going to be helping with their new business i love that you're focused on helping them figure out what are the most important things they need to start that transformation journey. Because I think you and I both know people make the mistake of trying to do too much at once. And it's impossible and people get frustrated and too many um, internal resources and demands are needed and they just can't do it. But I loved uh, being with you in the process of learning about how to help their company do that transformation. And I thought it was so interesting that when you said, well, the first thing we want to help you with is anything that's taking a lot of man hours to do, right? So you're doing it manually. It sounds like that's the first thing, right? If we take that away from you and make that part easier, now you're going to have time to think through with us the rest of your digital transformation. So um, yeah, so just talk a little bit about how you understand how to help your clients, because I think your, your model is so different. I've talked to three other companies who can do uh, the, you know, the software development, but that's a different approach than your approach, which is this exponential mindset approach, which has you focusing on different things. Absolutely. Well, uh, manual processes are the long, long, uh, low hanging fruit when you're, you're starting a digital transformation. However, when you're running a, a business, um, and mainly a business that's not 100% uh, techno uh, technology focus, uh, focus um, you will find, you know, a hundred problems, a hundred, a lot of problems. But if you try to, uh, you know, embrace technology to solve all of those problems, you're going to start like a never-ending process of uh, development, software development. So what we advise to our clients is to try to focus on one, two, or three main problems, and then they can 
keep the rest of the of solving the rest of the problem with Excel files or manual processes or you know data entries, etc. But it, we try to help them with um, with the, with two or three things at the beginning with the you know less or the minimum budget possible because if you start a digital transformation journey with a lot of money and 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 trying to solve a lot of problems you're going to have a lot of struggles in the in the process you know you and and you will see results um uh, long term or medium term or or maybe never because yeah right you know, you're you're just complicating the process I love Absolutely. the way your company simplifies it down. And I love the way you helped my kids think what is going to have the most impact? Do that first. And then, you know, so we, it's like you get the whole project in your head and you understand what the end is going to be. And of course it may change, but you know, you have that bigger picture and then you pick the things that are going to have the most impact. And I just love that that's the way you focus it. And also because you do work with startups, you're very sensitive to the fact that they don't have those big budgets and you don't want them to spend all their money at one time. You want them to do it in an order that makes sense, not just for their budget, for, for the impact. So I think that really sets you apart and differentiates you from others who work in the same world. So let's take a little trip back. So four or five years ago, before you were running this business, before you owned this business, what were you doing and how did you think, oh my gosh, let me get my some partners and get, get into the software development world? Absolutely. So yeah, I, I remember that it was a few years ago and I was working on a big corporation um, and used to work for a lot of corporations. Uh, that helped me a lot to understand how to run uh, big companies. But you know, I felt that at that moment that I could move faster working on my own company. And also I wanted to create something from, from zero to understand if I was uh, at that level, you know? Um, Were you actually doing software development for those big companies? At the beginning, yes, but then I started to grow in more management positions. But yes, I have a technical background. I used to be a programmer. And right now, no, I'm not programming anymore. But yeah, then I, I, I focus 100% on management right now. So you understood the problem from that level of actually solving it. But then, of course, you know, as you grow in a company, they want you to do the management and such, but you somehow got to that point where you're thinking, Hmm, I could do this myself. Right. Yeah. I have a, a, a lot of ideas at that moment that with the size of the company that I, I was working on, uh, it were difficult to implement. Um, I had some advices to not move forward with some ideas. Uh, and then I decided, okay, I will try to, you know, choose my own path and to go on my own path. And then I, when I started working on, on, on my own company, I just proved that some of, some of my ideas were good uh, and then some other ideas were bad. So the, the, the lesson learned there is to remain humble, uh, just enough to understand that all, not all of your ideas, um, you need to prove them. 
and you need to, you know, to try to validate them. So when you first started out, was it just you or did you get a team together right away? Of course, it's very hard to to be to uh, start your own company by yourself. So yeah, I I had some I have some partners, uh, CTO and also a, a chief operational officer and a CFO. So I complement myself with different people. Yeah, it's very hard to to I I could imagine doing that without them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's good to find people who are really strong in the areas where you're not, right? I mean, it's like a relief <laughs> and absolutely. you complement each other, as you mentioned. So that's great. All right. So you guys got together, you talked about it, you quit your day jobs and started your company or did you kind of do it on the side first? How did that go? Uh, yeah, I mean, of course, um, I, I had some previous experience investing, investing in different companies. Um, uh, I used to um, uh, invest in, in companies, uh, in, in startups. So I learned, um, I learned from entrepreneurs uh, how to start companies. So and, and then with all the, that experience, I started my own company. But yes, we quit our, our job. We had some savings. And we, then we decided to, to move forward. Everybody on my family was, was thinking you're crazy because your job is, is amazing. Uh, and yes, I was a little bit crazy, but my wife helped me a lot. I had two kids at, at, the, at the moment, really, uh, um, you know, uh, little kids. Um, yeah, but so far, doing great. That is wonderful. Well, I mean, a lot of entrepreneurs that I know have just taken that entrepreneurial leap right into it. And I think uh, it's a great way to go. So, of course, at the beginning, we have to sell something, right? First, you got to know what you're going to sell. And I think you had a pretty good idea about that. But when you started, were you thinking about solving the same problem that you're solving now? Or has that evolved or changed in any way? For example, we one of the areas that we wanted to to um, you know, develop was to create products with you know partners and sell those products. Uh, but then we decided that that was you know not the core of what we wanted to do. For example, our core is this is a transformation for for uh, different companies, um, selling them services, not products. So. Of course, when you start, you, you might have some ideas that you need to validate them uh, and then discuss the ones that, that they don't have value for you. Right. So, okay. So then you settled on the fact that you were actually going to do the software development to help companies with their transformation. And how did you start selling that? What did you do? There were, what, four of you, did you say? Three or four of you that started yeah. together? You, we were four. And we started to um, to dig deep into our contacts. So um, B2B um, consulting companies are um, you know mainly driven by referrals at the beginning, at the you know first five years. So I I remember when when I started, I was like the main sales uh, sales guy. 
So I, I remember having like 20 or 30 calls per week, calls and meetings. Some of them were like, what I'm doing here, you know, uh, or, or where, you know, good, uh, good talk with good people, but no, no opportunities from that calls. And some of them were really good calls uh, and they, you know, they end up being clients. For example, one of my, our biggest clients was a, a, a conversation with someone through WhatsApp, I remember, from one group of entrepreneurs here. And I remember uh, this, is, this is a super small company. We, this, is not, this is not worth the, the, the time and effort. And then we, we decided to move forward and they end up being uh, like a huge corporation under you know a different name local name so they become like the biggest client uh, that we have right now so at the beginning you need to talk with a lot of people even though they you know might not uh, be uh, your client profile yeah i think that's so important the conversations and i think that's important in the beginning but i think it's always important and i think eduardo you'll agree with me on this we lose sight of that as we hire salespeople and we're telling them to go sell. What we should be telling them is go have conversations <laughs> because Absolutely. those conversations will lead to sales. Just like Mel did with me. She just struck up a conversation. She wasn't trying to sell me anything. She wasn't even asking me, do I have any digital transformation? She's just, hey, you know, let's build a relationship. You're going to be at Saster, you know. I think that we can use shows in that way to help salespeople connect. And the other thing I liked is that, okay, you're four years in, but you still recognize your role in sales. And your role is to meet other CEOs. I'm a CEO, you're a CEO, we're both gonna be at Saster. Your salesperson's helping make sure you're meeting CEOs. So you can have conversations, right? And I think we just lose sight of it when we just have our salespeople out selling but smartly, you just started having conversations, which I think is the way many founders do it, but then they lose sight of that. Now, you mentioned another thing, Edward, that is so important, and I talk to CEOs about this all the time, your network. It is so important. And we've all heard, oh, your network is your net worth, right? It's extremely valuable mm -hmm. in many ways more than money, right? Absolutely. So, because it is money, that's how you can get money, you know, and so you mentioned before we started recording how valuable your network was in the beginning and the network of your three partners. So how, tell me about how that worked to get those first conversations. Of course, you dug into your own network and you, you know, they probably all three of them pointed at you and said, you go do the selling, Eduardo, right? <laughs> but um, they still helped with their network. So let's talk about how, um, the partners or the other people in your organization can help open their networks to you, even though they're not the one who's necessarily going to have the conversation. How did that work for you? So we think that everybody on our organization can be uh, potentially selling something. Um, and by the way, I will redefine the the, the mission of the sales team with your phrase, you need to start conversations and not selling. You need to have conversation, not sales. 
So that's great because it's a it's a great start. So in in our organization, we try to um, we think that it's easier to teach a technical person to sell rather than you know teach a, a salesperson to technical stuff. <laughs> so let me give you one example. We have a team of recruiter, says six. Uh, six members on our recruiting team. They are the ones that they find the developers and they present the developers to our clients or, and to uh, the different uh, project managers. And they are 100% uh, sales-driven. Uh, and and, and we, we, we share with them commissions and they, they have incentives. Uh, so they are, they, are, they are sharing their networks because they feel that we share, you know, the, the growth of, of our organization. Make sense? Yeah. So you're, instead of saying, go out there and cold call and just, you know, do it on your own. You're saying, we have a network of people. <laughs> so we're going to hire you because you have these skills and we're going to teach you the, the sales part, which is getting these conversations. But we're going to open our network to you. We're going to introduce you. We're going to help you get those conversations. Absolutely, yeah. That's part of our our training plan, just to help them to to you know communicate better with the clients, to find opportunities, uh, to find you know uh, ways to solve their problems. And it's not only you know as, as I told you, managers or or sales uh, or, or sales um, say people sales people. They, they, we have also um, you know technical leaders or, or developers selling, which is incredible. Uh, they, they identify problems on the clients and they, they reach to me or to, to my partners with potential opportunities to, to help our clients. And that will lead us with more sales. Yeah. yeah. All right. So let's talk about how you moved from doing most of the selling yourself with your partners opening their network, of course, but you were really the one having the majority of the conversations in the beginning. Now you're four years in. So how did you get from you doing all the selling yourself to starting to have other people do the selling? How did you, when did you decide it was time? How did you hire them and how did you train them? Okay, so we have, um, as you know, Mel Doherty is one of our, you know, main sales uh, people, person for, for the U.S. We have also one team member is in Mexico, Javier Moore. He's also one of our business developer uh, for Latin America and Europe. Um, we decided that when we, um, we thought that we have the opportunity to to help them and to follow up and to 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 define a process um and also we decided to do that when we had the 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 amount of leads that the the, the founders were in, were in, were not able to to um, you know to process uh? okay pause right there that is so important okay. too many times i see founders hiring salespeople, but they don't have any leads I don't know what they think these salespeople are going to do, like out of thin air, just somehow get some leads, right? No, people don't get leads out of thin air. And it's a lot, a lot of work to generate leads, as you know. 
So we have to have a great lead generation mechanism in place and have a lead flow if we want to hire salespeople and have them be successful. Of course, we can hire them and have them fail. And I've seen it so many times, but that is so smart because you were like, wow, all right, there's more leads here now than the founders can follow up on. So it's time to hire salespeople. All right. Now, how do you choose them and then get everything out of your brain of how your sales process works into their brain? All right. So we, we implement um, an agile process for sales. You know, agile methodologies are part of the main you know, way of developing software. We implemented that for sales as well. So we have, for example, we have a daily uh, stand-up meeting every day, 15 minutes with the sales team to, to understand what they are doing if, and, uh, and if they have any problem. We have a CRM to, to follow up on the open you know, uh, prospect and, and deals that potentially we may have. We have, um, we have a, a Slack channel for helping our salespeople to, you know, to, you know, solve if they have any question or any problem. We have a technical team for um, helping our sales team to deliver proposals. You know, our proposals are mainly uh, products, uh, software development processes, uh, products. So the technical team helped them to create those proposals. Yeah, in, in, in that way, I, I can summarize that we have a process and tool in place to help them to, to you know, to sell. Um, of course, there is always uh, room, room for improvement. There is always, um, you know, we, we, are, we are always have the challenge to have more, you know, leads on the funnel. But right now, we are okay. Yeah. Well, it's great because as a CEO, you recognize that part of your role in sales now is to completely support your sales team with all of the things you just mentioned. Um, so it's nice to bring new sellers into an environment where there's a process in place. Tell me a little bit about how you found Mel and your other salespeople and you know how you chose them because they're they're very good. <laughs> At least Mel is. So how how did you find her and find them and how did you choose them? Uh, the the formal answer to that question should be we had an opening and we had like a you know HR process too. But the the true it, it was we were so lack to have Mel. Mel she's from Boston. And she moved to, to Argentina like a few months ago and and she lives in my same neighborhood. So it was a matter of good luck to find her. Uh, and we had like great opportunity having her. She's going every day to the office here in Cordoba. Uh, as, as you probably know, Alice, our main you know market is the US and having someone working with us in the Cordoba office that she's from the US and she's from 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 uh, she's, she's helping a lot to us to understand more the culture uh, we are speaking English at the office which is great you know in an Argentinian office speaking English and and you know uh, uh, 
yeah, that, that was great. So we 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 think that we we had great luck luck uh, having mail and finding mail. Um, and thank and the other the other guy that we have is Javi. It was a similar story. We started as a partner. Uh, he had we had some connection in common, and he had uh, some clients. Uh, we started to work together for with those clients, and then we decided, hey, Javi. Why don't we you work with us uh, from Mexico? Um, so what I want to say is that sometimes uh, having the opportunity and having good luck is is very very good to to be at the beginning at least. <laughs> I love that, and I think that we overlook that in a way when you say luck, but it's like you were in the in the network of these people, right? You you knew them from yes. other ways. And I think sometimes when we're hiring salespeople, especially at the beginning, we're recruiting them from big companies and looking for, you know, great sellers. And hmm, maybe it's better to get some people who we really like and trust and want to learn and want to grow with us. Right. So I think that's why you were so successful in doing that. Okay. No, so you brought, so. I yeah. think, I, sorry, I have bad experience in the past, no, uh, not with, my company, but with other companies, when we have like a formal recruiting uh, process and also we have, we hire people from, you know, with sale background for bigger companies. So for, for a startup that could be, you know, a liability because you need to have to invest a lot of money to bring that kind of people on board. And it will take like between six to one year to to see results. So it's it's tricky now when you have that yeah. kind of situation. Having that past experience is so helpful, and so many of us uh, do a poor job hiring. I mean, we think we're going to do, you know, we want to do a great job. We, we but we really it's it hiring is hard. Um, and it's an arduous process and you have to do your full-time job while you're also trying to hire people. So I think, you know, it, it can really be tough. So I like looking in your network. I think it's a great way. Now, when you have to hire thousands and thousands of salespeople, like, you know, fortune 500 companies do, okay. It's a whole different thing, but when yeah. you're still small, you're under a hundred million, everybody, you know, has a network of people why not use that again use that network to have your first conversations for sales use that network to find the best people as well just really i think we're coming up with a theme here of you know use your network and if you don't have one for goodness sakes build one right and awesome. and nurture these relationships get to know people so they can help you all right so you've got some great sales people on you've got some really good sales processes in place but you still have an active role in sales. And so let's talk about how that works at your company. Um, you know, what part do your salespeople do? When do they bring you in? And how do they make, you know, how do they know how to make a good decision about, oh, I should get Eduardo on this call or or someone else, Fran, you know, from your company? How do they, how have you taught them or how have they helped you learn when to bring the senior people in, especially the CEO? Because I mean, after all, CEOs are busy. They can't get on every sales call, right? Absolutely. Um, mainly when they have um, issues uh, for nego or negotiations with, with, you know, margins or when they need to decide to, um, 
to offer a new type of service that we don't we don't we don't have that those are the the moments that they reach to me specifically um i previously told you that we follow as i methodologies um in that way we have 100 visibility uh, as a team on what every everybody is working on so in uh, i am mainly I, I, I have 100% visibility on what they're working in. And if I need to, to collaborate or help in any de deal, I, I, they don't need to reach me. It's a, I'm there. That makes sense? Yeah, yeah, of course that makes sense. So they're uh, going about, you know, taking the inbound leads, finding, you know, going outbound to find leads, right? Doing trade shows, great way to find leads. <laughs> Um, and when I say leads for you and I hope for everyone, I'm saying, you know, people you can have a conversation with to learn, you know, whether they need your products or services and they're doing that and then, uh, getting you involved. And what I find, um, in fact, I just did a, a podcast with, um, another, you know, uh, another expert who we were talking about, how do you help your sellers know when to bring you in? Well, you named some very specific things. If there's an issue, if there's sort of a new product that you think we can do, but we don't really do that right now, you know, or maybe you bring them in, they bring you in when, wow, this is a pretty large uh, prospect. I want them to know our CEO and feel confident, right? Um, or for example, when you, when after we met and then I said, oh gosh, I think I have a project for you. Let's get on a call. And Mel didn't come by herself. She brought you and um, Francisco with her, uh, partly because we already had a relationship established, I'm sure, but also because I think you felt like, you know, want to be involved in this. But of course you can't be involved in every single sale. Um, so, you know, there has to be some uh, way for the salespeople to detect the right time to bring you in. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's the challenge because we, we don't have, a, you know, a, a infinite, infinite hours you know, <laughs> at, the, at the day. So, yeah, and we, we try to, to be aware on when, and that's, you know, the biggest challenge. Yeah. Well, I think um, you're on the right path. I might recommend to you that you guys actually sit and talk about it and like make a list. Hey, here are some times when you should always bring us in, right? If these kinds of things happen or, um, you know, here are some times, yeah, we don't need to be involved. You can go ahead and make your own decision um, or, you know, maybe uh, towards the end, if it's a bigger company, if I haven't been, in, if the CEO hasn't been involved at that point, introduce them so they can have a little boost of that CEO vision and confidence. So, you know, maybe just sit down and, and chat about it a little bit and decide a little more formally, right. On when to bring the senior executives into the sales process. That's a great conversation to have. Thank you for the advice. Um, let me tell you one more thing for existing accounts. We have a, a farming program uh, where, you know, we have like a checklist for every account um, one of the one of the, the items on that checklist is to have a, a conversation with the C levels from our C levels. So I involve in that type of conversations, let's say once a year or you know twice a year in in, in key conversations. Today we had a, the visit of one of our clients at the office, and I was present. Uh, it was it, that was part of our farming program. 
I love that. I think that's so, so important to have the CEO involved once they become a customer. Even like you said, it's just once a year, but they know I'm important enough that the CEO is going to talk with me and listen to me and hear what I have to say. So I, I really do love that. All right. So you're you're four years in, you're doing great. You've had year over year growth in the last couple of years. Um, what's next? What are you looking forward to for your company and your growth and, and generating more sales? So the, the network is, uh, is, is the start and the referrals are, you know, are key on, on, the, on the first couple of years, but that's not enough to create a big company. We know that. Um, in consulting companies like ours, uh, service uh, providers, it's, it's harder to find clients from digital marketing, right? Um, it's easier to find a client when you have a product and, and you, you, know, you, you create a, 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 an AdWord campaign or a Facebook ad for you know, trying your product. But you know, the challenge here is how do you find clients uh, from, you know, that they don't have an existing relationship with you in some way. So right now we're growing a lot with referral from our existing clients and also from our network as we you know, spoke. But last year we started a, a, a program a plan with our marketing team to uh, create uh, you know, different landing pages, different LinkedIn campaigns with using automation. Uh, we are doing emailing for existing clients and potential leads. We are having AdWords and we're trying things and validating things that they don't work for us. But let me tell you one ex example, AdWords for our, you know, for our industry in the US with the budget that we have right now, they, it doesn't work for, for us, you know, but it works for, for Spain. You know, and it works for Mexico. So we're doing uh, AdWords for Mexico and for for Spain, but we, you know, we are not doing that for for the U.S. LinkedIn campaigns are not working and performing really well in the U.S., but they work really well in in in, in Latin America and also in Europe. So last year we find one of the you know most notorious clients. Uh, using digital uh, marketing strategies and was an incredible uh, achievement for us. Uh, today is not the biggest clients because we already have some bigger clients, but this is the most notorious clients uh, that we have. It's a famous brand, um, and right now, and and it was acquired in a, outside of our networks. You know, it's that's incredible for us for a for a service company. So in the future, I think that, that the challenge is to keep growing uh, our digital marketing strategies, keep validating that, uh, and also you know, try to implement partnership programs uh, just to, to try to find clients outside the network. Make sense? 
Absolutely. Yeah. I'm curious how you did it faster. Was that a good event for you? I know you had a lot of conversations there. Was that a place to find uh, people who need your services? Uh, a little bit. It was mainly for learning, you know, because we, we uh, sometimes we travel mostly for learn rather than sales, you know, so to, to sell. So we learn a lot in Saster. We after that week we went to Dreamforce, the Salesforce conference was huge. Um, of course, we generated uh, relationships from from that um, and leads, some leads. But today, when we travel our uh, to different countries and different conferences, we try to focus more on. Uh, learning and to creating conversational relationships rather than selling. Because if you go to a conference with the only objective to sell, it is not, uh, it is not good. It will generate a lot of anxiety. It will generate also fake conversations that they are not good. Yeah, no, I agree. And just as we said earlier, it's all about the conversations. So I would think that you would have some great conversations at Saster that at some point will turn into a referral or even possibly doing business together, just like we did. Um, so I think, you know, it can happen. Well, good. Well, um, yeah, I will shoot you some ideas on how to help you with, you know, getting outside your network and finding, uh, more people to have conversations with. Cause I, I think that's, everybody's, you know, everybody's trying to do that, right? It's, it's an important thing because just flat out cold outreach doesn't work that well. I think the digital ads, like you said, work better in some places, you know, and not in others. So we have to keep trying to see what's going to work. Right. And, um, it's always great to share ideas. Well, uh, Eduardo, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I really appreciate you sharing your story with us. Thank you, Alice. Thank you for inviting me. And also, I wish you a great uh, year. Uh, I think that this is going to be a great year for, for everybody. I agree. And let's just finish on telling people how they can find you. Do you want them to connect on LinkedIn? Go to your website? Yeah, uh, you, you can find me as Eduardo Call on LinkedIn uh, or, or our website. If you enjoyed the show, please like and subscribe, and we'll see you next week.